Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 35 of season two of This Osteopathic Life. If we combine this with the traditional format of the episodes from season one, this makes 75 episodes. That's a nice number. I can consider it a milestone moment here for the podcast. My intention is to change the original graphic of the podcast at this point to reflect some of the evolution of what's happened and to perhaps put myself on there as well. It is a milestone moment today for a much more significant reason here in the United States of America. And we've received the announcement that Kamala Harris has been elected to the office of vice president, along with Joe Biden as president. And this is a landmark moment as she is the first woman, the first black woman, the first Asian American woman to hold this office. And considering all of the controversy that has been at play throughout this past administration, throughout this election, throughout these past three days, and some that is still pending, where we don't pretend that it's all done in this moment. But we can pause in this moment and reflect on what this means, on the experience for women, for Black women, for Asian American women, to see someone who looks like them in the second highest office in the land. To see someone who made her own bid for the highest office in the land and was able to come to a space of connection and collaboration as she moved into this role and was able to be her whole self and will serve as her whole self with all of her experience in a powerful way and not in a power over way. And if you listen to Brene Brown's Unlocking Us podcast, which I highly recommend, and she had Vice President and now President-elect Biden on talking about the difference of power over and power with and power for and recognizing the possibilities that exist when we step into this space and feeling the palpable release, the exhale, the lowering of stress that so many have endured, feeling unseen and unheard in un or undervalued in this country for being unable to be their whole selves, for having to hide parts of them, be it their skin color, their religion, 
their heritage, their names and the pronunciation of their names being upheld as impossible to get correct. And to now have this invitation, this reflection of themselves in this space and knowing that there will be an advocate for them, representing their interests from a place of knowing, from a place of reflection, of experience, is such a powerful moment. And I recognize that there are equal parts frustration and fear for those whose vote was not cast to elect Kamala Harris to this office. And my choice in this time, and I invite this for you to join me, is to stay curious and to wonder why it is that there can be fear and frustration around this moment for some when there is exhilaration and excitement and relief and gratitude and love and joy and compassion for so many others. And what we know is that all of that which I just listed are feelings. And so the reason those different feelings can exist when the same circumstance is what we are all facing is because of our thoughts about it. And it's the same for this administration under which we currently remain until the 20th of January, the same experience has happened in reverse. The opposite halves of the country have felt similar. And what is it that is being seen and heard and welcomed and preserved and advocated for under the current administration? And I truly am curious about that. And I see it reflected in people I know and people to whom I am related, with people I respect, with people I admire. And I have to wonder, because what I see reflected doesn't represent health to me. And with my focus here, with this osteopathic life, for the health of all things... That is what I seek. That is what I seek to see, to experience, to support, to acknowledge, to reflect, to expand. And at present, I haven't seen health reflected in these past four years. And if we think about health and interchange it with some words as we have in past episodes, with love, with life, with wholeness, with worthiness. I don't see that. I really don't. And I would love to understand more clearly where others do. And I would like to invite those who might be upset about the current result to consider what it is that Kamala Harris is reflecting and how it might be that it could be reflecting of you, if you've ever experienced being on the margins, if you've ever experienced being unseen, if you've ever experienced being unheard, if you've ever experienced being unvalued or undervalued or underestimated, 
if you've ever been told you have to leave part of you behind, that all of you is not welcome, that you have to act and look and be a different way than what you are in order to fit into a space, a job, a role, and how that feels. And what it might mean to have someone who has experienced that to represent you and to hold your interests with theirs. And I heard a very interesting podcast, and I'll link it in the show notes with Sam Harris. My husband shared this with me as to why many feel more comfortable with Donald Trump holding office of president. And the idea that there is no judgment of others there because he has none for himself. And I referenced Brene Brown earlier in this podcast. And for those of you who are with me, know that I reference her quite a bit. And if you're familiar with her work and the work around shame, I had to really sit and process this. And I had to stop and think about my own posts recently Because I do believe we have a place and a requirement, a responsibility to speak up, to acknowledge what is happening, and to highlight the direct lived experience of those who are often ignored. And if we have any glimmers of privilege in our own life, the task is to use us as a reflection, to expand and shine light on others who don't share that privilege. As I think about recent articles I've shared and discussions I've had and posts that have come up, I notice that it's quite possible that people could feel criticized, obligated, responsible, and perhaps for things that seem outside of their control. We've looked at racism in multiple episodes here. And there is a massive identity crisis that comes up when it is proposed to white people that they have a hand in the perseveration of racism. And there is an outcry, a backlash to say, no, that's not me. I'm not responsible for that. That was before my time. And we can see that it's fully present here today. And whether or not you find yourself to be overtly racist. You are part of a racist system just by nature of being in this country. That is how it is founded. That is the nature of the constructs in which we all have been raised. And so unless you're actively undoing that, you are part of the system. And that's a reckoning. That's really hard to hear. But it's so important to notice it and to notice that it's possible to hear it without shame or blame, but hear it simply as fact. And then from that hearing, from a neutral place of it being a fact, to be able to then step into oneself and say, okay, if I do wish to not be part of that, if I do wish it to be different, and if I do wish I to be, I wish it to be how I think it is, right? So if we think racism is done, Right? Hopefully now we can see in all that's transpiring right now that it certainly is not. But if we believe that it's done and other people are telling us that it isn't and we want it to be in that space where we believe it's done 
And we're willing to kind of believe from those who have shared their lived experience that maybe it's not quite as done as we think or hope. And if we wanted to get there, maybe we have to be some of those who help carry it over that gap or help build that bridge to take it from where it actually is to where we think it is, to where we hope it can be. And that does bring in responsibility, but it brings in personal responsibility. So you aren't necessarily responsible to change anyone besides yourself. And the frustrating or the relieving factor is that you can't change anyone beside yourself. And the best thing you can do is begin and even simply stay with yourself and offer the opportunity to yourself for grace to evolve and expand. And so what might that look like? It might look like a personal inquiry to say, is it possible? Or I'm willing to believe it's possible that I am contributing or at least not reducing the ongoing impacts of racism in this country today in November, 2020. And if my desire is to either be reducing or at least not adding to the ongoing racism, I'm willing to investigate the ways in which I can do that. And the first way may simply be that willingness to be aware of thoughts that you have. Right? And these might take some digging, especially if you do find yourself to be engaged and compassionate and relatively aware of the impact of life for people of color in this country. But oftentimes, we don't, right? We think we're doing pretty well. And it's okay to think that. And it's also important to listen to what it is you're being told. And if you are getting the information that others are still experiencing oppression, fear, threat to their lives, and that it is relative to the color of their skin, we do have an obligation to, at the very least, listen. And what I noticed from that Sam Harris podcast episode is that a lot of people don't want to hear that. They don't want to be told that they have any responsibility in this. Right? It can be hard and heavy, and it can feel accusatory, and many don't want to go there. And so what do we do? How do we handle that? How do we reconcile with ourselves as a part of this tapestry? And how do we step into this new version that we seek, especially when we didn't think anything was wrong with the version we had right now? And so the important thing to start with when we do this work, and it is work, but it is work worth doing, is to begin from that place of worthiness. To remember that even contribution or lack of reduction, if that's the way we're going to look at it, in racism ongoing in this country can still exist within a worthy person. And that's really important. So we're going to visit it again here. 
if we have the thought that racist people are bad, then we don't want to be bad. We make it so it's impossible for us to have any place in racism. What if instead we take away the bad part and say racism exists in the culture as it is in present day, racism is part of the tapestry. And in order to address that effectively, I have to see my part in it. It doesn't have to mean I'm a bad person, particularly if you are truly unaware and it's becoming less and less possible for that lack of awareness to be. But if that's where we are and we're just coming into that way and state of knowing, we can give ourselves some grace and say, okay, I'm willing to see the role that I play and understand that this doesn't diminish my worthiness. It simply means I am gaining awareness of the current constructs of humanity in this country in the present day. And if we're no longer accusatory of ourselves and of others even, and instead reflect to one another that worthiness that's 100% and intact no matter what as fellow humans, then we can step into that practice of thinking differently, speaking differently, listening differently without saying, I better do this so I can be this better human or a worthy human. And instead saying, I'm a worthy human and I choose to do this work and to move through the struggle because it is. Anytime we're having to redefine the world in which we live and our role in it, it's hard work. And no one's denying that. There's struggle there. There doesn't have to be suffering. We can take a step away and reduce the suffering aspect and instead say, again, from my place of worthiness, I choose to take up this task of seeing what role I have played here. Because what I want is better health. What I want is the full richness of the human lived experience. And what I want is that for everyone. And maybe some people don't, but I am choosing to continue to believe that at our core, we all want that for ourselves and it is possible to want it for one another. And that in so doing, we take up the task of seeing all of those feelings that we have, including judgment and hatred and even bigotry. Seeing them, feeling them, and then recognizing we don't have to stay with them. They don't have to define us. They are simply energy in our body. And if we so choose, we can find other thoughts that bring us other feelings. And we can separate that feeling and we can separate the concept from worthiness. And we can separate it from being a bad person, right? That's where shame comes in. I'm a bad person if I have these thoughts. What if instead 
I'm a person. And presently, people have these thoughts. And it takes work to see them and to choose not to have them because I have been inundating with them my entire life. Right? They are the concepts on which the country was founded. And we can be aware and we can atone and we can hear the impact. We can witness the impact and we can work to reverse the negative effects that have transpired and not have to be bad people in the process and not have to turn away from it because of that. Because we have the fear that if I admit to this, I'm admitting to be a terrible person and no one will like me. No one will be with me. I don't want to be with me. I don't want to contribute to that. I don't want to be responsible. That's a whole lot of baggage. I don't want to have to hold, right? It doesn't have to be that way. We can listen and learn and offer and extend and leverage and love from a place of awareness and actually make the difference that is needed to have the unity that so many are calling for that unity doesn't come from degradation and criticism. It comes from awareness. And it comes from the absence of shame. And so if there is something we all can learn from Donald Trump is that he knows no shame. It does not even occur to him as a possibility to lament for anything he has ever done. And I do not, under any circumstance, let it be very clear, condone anything he has done. I do see, as Sam Harris illustrated, how it is, as I observe him, to live with no shame. And that can certainly lead to challenging behaviors, right? So if you're listening and you think, well, I don't want to do that because I want to be aware, right? I want to have a little shame to keep me in check. But remember that you can have a little bit of guilt and he doesn't have that either, right? You can have a little bit of guilt to guide you and you can listen to that inner compass, right? And so if we do operate with a conscience and with an awareness of how our actions impact others, guilt can be a little bit of a guide and we don't need to get stuck in it. But guilt tells you about your actions, right? Guilt tells you when, ooh, that wasn't quite in alignment with my core values, right? That's different than shame that I am a bad person, right? That thing I did, I don't want to do that again. That wasn't, that wasn't good. I don't want to do that. That can be guilt and it can be informative and it can be more dynamic. We can move through it. And for many of us who come from various backgrounds might think, nope, you know, I'm in guilt all the time. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. You can simply notice it Listen to what it's telling you. Hear if it's saying you're kind of off track with those core values. Let's get back in line. Get back in line, right? And move forward from there. Very different from shame that is cutting you to your core. And so if we're going to learn that lesson, let's let go of shame and allow ourselves to be more forward action focused and say, okay, I wish to live in a world where we are connected and where there is less racism 
And I do believe for the majority, even for the majority of those who did vote right, to reelect the current president, I hear and I see and they say this desire for love and unity and connection and, and greatness. And I just think there has been some confusion around how we get there. And we all see that there is a massive division and the majority of people say they don't want that. They don't want division. And so to get there, to get to unity and connection and cooperation and collaboration and contentment, these are all the C's I talk about weekly in my course. It takes a whole bunch of A's to get there. And I led you through the activation process a few episodes back. But awareness is a key space to be. Awareness and acceptance that these thoughts, they do exist in the collective consciousness. If you don't want to own them directly, see that they are upheld through this collective consciousness we have in the country at the moment. And if it be true for yourself, for your children, for your neighbor, for the person of color that is your friend, right? And if they truly are your friend, you will be listening more closely to their lived experience and wondering from that space of curiosity how you can contribute to making it so there is less insecurity, so there is less fear, so there is a greater sense of welcome for them wherever they are, for safety for them and for their children. And that requires you to say, what is my part here? And how can I be the advocate I seek? How can I be an instrument of connection? And what is it that I have been contributing thus far that I can take responsibility for? Not from a place of blame or shame, but from a place of power. We've talked about that, reuniting power and responsibility. And when you see that you do have control over thoughts, but that does require you to see them. And are you willing to do that? And if you are, imagine, imagine the experience. If enough of us take the time to see our contribution from a place of 100% worthiness, standing together in love and compassion, recognizing that we can be free of shame in this process and instead link up and say no more and say now is the time for us to step forward together, recognizing where we have been, what we have done, and what we are willing and able to do differently from this day forward. And that might be little things. While we might know and notice that we need radical change, radical change can also happen one degree at a time. And so if we're looking to be 180 degrees from where we are today, let's start with one. And one might be that thought, I'm willing to discover what those thoughts are in the collective consciousness. And that's where we begin. And we spend our time there. And we notice the resistance that comes up for us. 
And we say, okay, that's normal, right? It's normal to resist that. And we remind ourselves, this isn't about good and bad people, right? This is about doing the right thing for the common good of humanity. And we don't have to do this apologetically. We don't have to condone those who have no desire to do this work. We don't necessarily have to shame them. And that's hard because we can have this desire to really get out there and bring people back in aggressively. And I've been there too. But what if we just keep shining that light? And what if that mirror just keeps getting broader and then it becomes a mirror all the way around? So everywhere people look, they see this reflection of worthiness, of absence of shame, of appropriate utilization of guilt, of a desire to eradicate racism so that all truly are welcome and there is liberty and justice for all. And that's what they see. And if they see in that mirror, even a small part of themselves in that. If we think about the osteopathic premise that if we augment the health, right, if we shine a light on the health, it will expand. And so perhaps it's possible to see that one glimmer of what might be going well where you think maybe all hope is lost and offer that reflection from your core space of worthy, willing, able, valuable, seen, heard, acknowledged, free of shame and offering that to the world. That is what we're seeing when Kamala Harris ascends to this office. She is taking all of her there. And in so doing, she is holding space for each of us, particularly those who have been marginalized and oppressed and unseen and unheard and unvalued and saying, if there is space for all of me here, there is space for all of you here in all parts of all of you. And there's space for all of us here. And I'm going to hold that line. And I will be here. And you can be here too. That is what's happening today. And I'm going to stay in this space of believing that everyone will see that. And that her holding up that space is not exclusionary. Right? It is actually the broadest invitation we have had that each and every part of us is welcome in this country. And it's not done. Right? This isn't the only act that will take us there. But it is the invitation. And so for anyone listening, I encourage you to consider the opportunity that you have before you to own your own thoughts, to observe the thoughts of the collective, to recognize when resistance emerges, and to decide how you would like to step forth into the future, which is right now. Right? The future is the now unfolding moment and moment and moment and moment. And so can you bring your full self 
because you are invited to. And if we're supporting the health of all things, that's done through love and compassion and awareness and even anger. We talked about that in the Hold Peace episode. Anger has a place too. Anger can drive change. And anger doesn't have to be bad. So let's consider as we step forth in hope, in curiosity, in non-judgment, in shame-free living, how we are the change we wish to see in the world and how we can be for the health of all things. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.